That's going to get added to the <laughs> That's going to get added to the recording right there. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Security Table. I'm Chris Romeo joined by Izar Terendash and Matt Coles. Uh, we are the people of the Security Table. I don't know what to call us. I'm kind of working on nicknames and things like that. And that one was terrible, but it was off the cuff, so um, we got an issue today that we want to talk about. So I did a uh, podcast interview on the AppSec podcast talking about uh, software supply chain. And uh, there was another LinkedIn post that uh, made reference to it. And it pointed to an issue about how security people love dumping on open source as a challenging thing or as something that's the, the villains or... No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Use the whole thing. Okay. Security Love people. Dumping on open source as a hive of scum and villainy. As a hive of scum and villainy. I mean, the only problem is that, like, it's the open source that's being attributed to the hive of scum and villainy. Because I thought if we're saying security people are of a hive of scum and villainy, then I can pick like a Batman villain that I can be and I can have a whole persona and it's <laughs> wait, like wait, a wait, whole wait, thing. Wait. But- Has anybody checked the calendar if it's talk like a pirate day? It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog yeah, Day. Today. It's Groundhog Day when we're recording this episode. So, uh, but yeah. So, the, but let's let's talk about the issue. We don't. I mean, what what was put into the the LinkedIn message isn't really the the important part here. The important part is how do security people perceive open source? That's where I want to start our our discussion today. So, Matt, you're nodding your head, which means I get to call on you first. Sure. Why not? What else is new? Uh, <laughs> so, what do security people think of open source? Yeah, what, uh, how do we, how do we, what, yeah. is, what do security people think about it? As a security person, I think of open source as uh, a part of doing business today, right? Many systems are built from it. And, uh, and an, a realization, or rather a lost realization or missing realization, that consumption of open source does not uh, remove any obligation for its use or inheritance, right? So, Obviously, when you when you build something, I want to be careful. Uh, when you build something with open source, you're inheriting what comes with it. Mm-hmm. So you get both the good and the bad. We've talked about this in other other episodes about responsibility. You know, this is this goes back to um, Bob Lord and his his statement around civic responsibility for when you find vulnerabilities. Right, same thing. Um, you know, when you when you use an open source component. You inherit both the functionality that you want, as well as the issues that come along with it, whether they're security, functional, or otherwise. Um, if you're building open source, and and you know, just for for you know, listeners' benefit, right? Izar and I, of course, both are involved with with an open source project, um, and and we've we've worked with open source developers on other things, and. Um, I think there's sometimes a misunderstanding or lack of understanding around security. Just <laughs> <laughs> in case you're listening on audio, Ezar just changed his video feed to be like an no, extreme close of, of his eye. <laughs> I didn't touch a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
computers. Uh, so Matt, please, please continue. <laughs> where was, where was I? That's how, that's how, that's going to be hard to continue from. Um, so, so if you're building open source, I think, you know, sometimes security gets lost in the shuffle because, you know, a lot of open source, a lot of open source is written by one person or a couple of people, you know, and they're, they're do, sort of doing it on the side. It's not a professional job for a lot of, for most people. Hmm. And so, their primary goal is to get something out that works that people might find of interest, right? Either they're trying to build a resume or they're, you know, they, they have something that they just want to share with the community. Uh, and sometimes, you know, that means corners are cut. Uh, I don't think I've, I don't think I have heard in my travels with other security professionals of referring to open source as being, a, a a pit of danger, right? Uh, I think that there, like I said, I, I think that there's an, an, an understanding, at least now, that there's an inheritance, con- a concern of inheritance, and that there's stuff to be handled, uh, and, and the, the world is, is waking up to that. But I don't think I, 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 I question that statement. Yeah, and and since I was one of the people that was attributed to, um, <laughs> it's open source is is the backbone of everything that every product that exists today. Show me a product that doesn't consist primarily of open source. I would love to find one, and I'm sure there are some out there, but I'd love examples of it because everything runs on top of open source. And so, by no means do I consider open source to be this. Uh, pit of despair or um, any other <laughs> analogies. Hive of scum find. and villainy. Hive <laughs> of scum and villainy. I don't, I don't consider yeah. it to be that at all. Like it, it is, for one thing, it's a reality. It is how <laughs> software and products and applications are built today. There is no, could you imagine if someone, if somebody came in as a leader, a, a new CTO <laughs> to a startup, there's a sigh in the play there, but a new CTO comes into a, a startup and says, okay, uh, we're not going to use open source. So we need to rip all of our open source. Like it wouldn't even be possible. Like no, it'd be impossible uh, to do. Look, that. Look, look, look. No, to, it to would bar- be. It would be possible. It would be possible. It just would be very painful and expensive because you'd have to rewrite yeah. all of that. Like, oh, we're going to write our own framework for our JavaScript front end apps so yeah. that we can. It, like, I mean, it's it's just no, not no, even. I'm, a- I'm, I'm sorry. You would have to start by writing your own compiler. Have to start by writing your own Uh-oh. kernel. Well, we, your we own lost open source. You did. Yep. Go ahead. Keep going. Just say, re- repeat what you said. That uh, can can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now? yeah. So uh, you would have to write your own compiler, your own kernel, your own uh, everything. Oh, and I even see. I didn't even get there. You went. Yeah. Like, that's you're yeah. right. To, your own operating. To, yeah. Kernel. To to, to paraphrase uh, uh, Danny Rojas, open source is life, right? <laughs> that's true. And uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, to, to uh, I can't even grasp. The, the 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 question itself how and and I have heard that episode how could it have been perceived that both of you were talking about open source in the view of security professionals as a hive of scum and villainy I mean the security industry would not be what it is today if it wasn't for open source and I don't think yeah. I'm exaggerating well, okay. So, I just, can we just roll back for just a sec? We didn't define open source. I think we've talked about this in the past. So, just a just a quick sidetrack, right? Open source versus free software. 
right? Versus commercial or closed packages. So who lets someone in the room? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Microsoft Windows, for example, is closed source, right? Is a closed source component. And people have successfully built applications on top of, uh, with, with Microsoft as an operating system and Microsoft tools, which are closed source, right? For decades, right? Before that, it was Unix, which was not open source. Uh, and now, uh, you know, could you do that again? Yes. Yes, you could. Would it be cheap? No. Would it be hard? Yes. Would it be efficient? No. Uh, probably not. Um, so, and you'd have to basically reinvent the wheel for almost everything that the platform didn't provide. Um, open source versus free software, right? There may be closed source that is, that is still available. That is not, you know, commercial. Um, those exist as well, but most of them, I think by and large, we're talking about, we're talking about things for which the source code is available and that people can either choose to use as is or modify freely. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, and you're right. You, you, the world runs on it, whether we like it or not. And we deal with it and security relies on it. Most of our tools are open source or at least based on open source. All of our technologies that we comment, you know, Kubernetes or, uh, spring or Java is, op- it, it, you know, is for the most part open source, um, and Python, et cetera. Right. So the fact. Yeah that open source normally means you have access to the source code. It should mean that it makes AppSec easier. Unfortunately, that isn't how that, that isn't how it's played out in how the AppSec industry and we could say the, the, those that are building software, it's, it, it isn't how it's been, it hasn't resulted in moving the security needle forward because it's, because you have access to the code, but technically it should make things easier because you could actually look at the code if you want to. You could see eyeballs argument. Yeah. Yeah. It's the eyeballs argument. But the thing is, I, I think that it can be argued that in those cases where it's necessary, where it's actually important, perhaps we don't get the direct number of eyeballs in there, but to go back to uh, an example that we have used in past episodes, uh, uh, OpenSSL, they have this huge security apparatus framework scaffold together with its open source effort, right? In parallel and working closely with, and that would not have been possible if the if it was a closed source. Mm-hmm. Well, well uh, we would not have been transparent. We would not have known. Microsoft, for mm-hmm. go, again, go back to that example. They have a they have a whole security apparatus around closed source components, right? They do, um, and I am by no means saying that Microsoft is not doing enough, or everybody has their problems and all that good stuff. Bad things in all best families, but you know, I. I I, I still think that some processes in, in, in some places are lacking vis-a-vis the same processes in, in more public places. I think that what, how, what's the saying? Sun is the best uh, cleaning agent. So when things are exposed, they actually see everything for what it is and all the ugliness and all the beauty. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's, when, yeah, when I think it, the biggest problem. Number of bugs, yeah, good. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, I think that it, it touches upon something I mentioned, you know, at the very beginning, right around, when you use open source components, when you use any component, you inherit what comes with it. 
Yep. And the problem, the problem with it moving the needle or not moving the needle forward is there's a, there's an, there's a, a this, this notion that by selecting open source, I'm not going to inherit any problems. So the head in the sand problem, right? I'm not throwing this back at developers because developers aren't necessarily in the best, best position to be able to, to know what they're getting. Although, Ideally, they do. I mean, engineering 101 should be validate the components before you start to integrate them, right? This whole build versus buy decision, acquisition, and integration should follow some process that helps with making informed risk decisions. But it's it just starts with one. But now, as you start to include dozens of components, hundreds of components potentially, and the tools that you use build bring in other components, and those bring in other components. You get these transitive dependencies. Mm-hmm. The amount of complexity goes up, and the fact that there are there's so much code that other people wrote that you can use. Applications are tending to get more complex, and so it's sort of like uh, there was an old episode of of uh, Two and a Half Men. If you if you uh, if anybody used to watch that show back in back in the day, and one of the episodes they were talking about. Uh, um, it was it was about financial financial issues, where they basically took a cup, and 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 it was like it was a cup of water, you know. And if you poke a hole in it, you know, it, the water comes out. And if you pour water in, it will fill up, and it will sort of be equilibrium and whatnot. But if you if you don't, and you poke a whole bunch of holes in it, right, it's going to drain out completely. And if you try to put stuff in the top, then then it will just end up in the bottom, and you won't have anything left to drink. Well. Imagine that kind of analogy when it comes to complexity and issues of software and you, you keep on adding components because you get, you know, I want this piece and I want this piece and I want this piece and I want this piece. And now your, your, the magnitude of the security problem increases exponentially on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so while you can have eyes on it, sorry, and I, I my apologies for the, for the dissertation here. Right? No, no, uh, just- this is supposed to be interactive. You know the the <laughs> the uh, listening is interacting. the the notion The notion that you know, while you can have eyes on the th- on the thing, while you can have eyes on the code, if you're only inheriting if you're inheriting it, and you get all of the things come with it, but you're only using a portion of it, and then you add other things on top of that, and you continually add things on top of that, you suddenly lose sight, and now it becomes an iceberg. Right, where you have the tip of the iceberg and everything below it, because of the depth of how many how many pieces are there. So I want to I want to challenge something that you said pretty early in that in that explanation, and that is I don't think people do build versus buy anymore. I don't think that's the modern flow oh, no, for how no, developers no. create no software. Buy. It's more of mm-hmm. like is there the question is is there a component that I can import that will provide the functionality that I need. I don't think there's really ever a question about, should I build my own version of this component? That's my perception of the world it's, of engineering. It's, I, I think that it's even it's even worse. I've seen cases where what you need doesn't exist. So people are ready to move the design towards something that already exists, hmm. just so that they don't have to build that whole thing from scratch. So yeah. close enough is good enough. But now I wanna pull a Chris. Okay, I want to put a thought experiment on the table as experienced uh, security people. What would it look like if security people would look at open source as a hive of scum and villainy? 
how, how would that translate? Because we already agreed that we don't. How would it look if it did? What, what, what would be the argument here? I have a feel. Are we talking about like Pirates of the Caribbean? We're talking about Tortuga. Or that something? is the picture in my mind. Yes, I, I will not uh, <laughs> deny that. I, in my mind, I'm talking like a pirate. Har har, me mateys for like half an hour. But <laughs> Pillage, pillage and burning and all the, the all that. Yeah. Ah, guess less it, of death, more of the Roman dancing. But, I, mean, I, mean, I guess it would be. I guess it would be demonizing developers. Right, saying Why? like open source, but I'm just I'm on, I'm in your thought experiment here. No, but, no, it, but, it but, would but be, think from a security point of view. Why? You, you want to know what the motivation? That? How would we do it? Yeah. Wait, how? How? Or why? The, no. What would we look like? Okay. So, ChatGPT, you are now a security expert that considers open source to be a hive of scum and villainy. Oh. Describe to me what's in your mind. Oh, 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 yeah. So this is a this is a whole lot easier discussion. Let's assume for a moment that that developer developers of open source software are are corrupt, that they don't consider security at all, and they intend to deceive. Here's my code. Take it. Never but mind. If that, that was the stuff. model, if that that was the model, how long would something like that actually exist and expand? I mean, we are talking. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> I think that they, they they may have been talking about the you know the the bit in the podcast in the podcast where you guys were discussing that you couldn't trust package managers. Would that be it? Are we talking about dependency injection now? I, I think that in a way that's where the things. Okay. I'm starting so, to see a picture here. Okay. Well, please I'm please please enlighten us because uh, I'm lost. But well, Johnny Depp is in it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of parrots all around. And maybe some Keith Richards too. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> now, are you kidding me? You're mute. You're muted. It's our, we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> can't hear you. Nope, nothing. Well, well, you'll have to wait till next week's episode to hear. These are his explanation for this entire situation. Yeah, he, was just, he was just about to explain it, and he right. went. That's right. Dun, 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 cliffhanger. That's how we roll here. Reboot. Try to reboot. Kick it. Why, 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 why there, is Cliff there you are. Why is Cliff and why is he hanging? Anyway, there you are. But <laughs> You're back. <laughs> so, yeah. So, where did you guys lose me? Uh, right as you were about to explain everything You were about us. to explain <laughs> this momentous explanation you said, of you, you, you said figured John, out the whole thing. Yeah, Johnny yeah, Depp but, is in it. and Johnny Depp is in it. And then you said no to Keith Richards. And then you went, you went silent. <laughs> so, Keith Richards is listening to us and probably sabotaged my, my setup here. <laughs> but I remember it had the number 42 in it somewhere. But no, what I was thinking was, okay, so in, in the, the, the podcast in question here, I, I think that Chris and his uh, guest, I'm sorry, I forgot the name. I Kyle. think that there was, there was some uh, uh, thingy about, is it still recording? Because it tells me that it uploaded. Anyway, so um, they were talking about uh, how you couldn't trust package managers, right? And, and then Matt threw in dependency injection. And I started thinking that, you know what? Perhaps that's what triggered the uh, 
security people saying that the developers are bad because clearly who, who would do something like this, right? But then Matt mentioned that if that was the case, then uh, no, 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 no. He, he, in your like in the thought experiment, you said that a bad developer could create a, a malicious package, and and that that's what triggered the whole thing for me. So then my question, when you guys couldn't hear me, was okay. Let's say that that would happen. For how long would that package be out there without somebody figuring it out and killing or removing or whatever? So it's not like that would expand to the whole community of open source. So while yeah, massive I can, collusion. It'd be, ma- right? it'd be massive collusion, and we know we know that packages, malicious packages, stay up for you know uh, on PyPy, for instance, they stay up for thirty days. You know, just I, I don't I, pulling that number out of the air. Just a few few pack, you know, few discussions, uh, you know, uh, news articles. They don't get discovered immediately, and then they stay up for some period of time, right? So, so for the the, the whole hive of villainy thing to exist, there should be some cab- cabal that controls open source. And make yep. sure that everything that's bad is happening and nobody knows about it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like an Illuminati for the open source. Being like there, a, being like accused a GitHub, of the dark GitHub. Right. <laughs> a, a, a GitHub Minati. Not, not to use something <laughs> closer to me here. But being there, done that. And no, it's not how things work. So, <laughs> yeah, don't. No, how? And this is um, here's let me let me throw another kind of idea at you guys and get your take on this. So I think one of the challenges that we have in addressing the software supply chain is we tend to lump every package on earth together into this problem. And I was doing a little bit of research yesterday for for some for an article that I wrote in uh, Reasonable AppSec, the the newsletter. And I found that there's 1.3 million packages in NPM the node package manager. How many of those packages actually matter? It can't be 1.3 million. Like, so part of our challenge here is we're addressing every piece of open source software in the same way on earth. And so what, one of the things I started in, in my own little thought experiment of how would I solve the software supply chain if I had all the power in the world why not have the package managers have some criteria or have a a package manager that only serves up things that are meet a certain criteria like, because dependencies but trust I, yeah i guess dependencies do start to break that down but and that so that that brings the question then would it require and and, and i'm this is i'm throwing this to you guys would it require the way open source is built to rely, would we have to change the philosophy of open source to be less dependent on dependencies and more focused? Or is that is that ship already sailed? It's recursion, right? You, you can't write something that things will be highly dependent off and say you, you shouldn't be dependent of everything or you should give such importance to your dependent to the things that you depend on that the whole inheritance problem that Matt alludes to would go away. So I, I don't know. I just spitting it out here. I think that, you know, if somebody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to write a package that does ABC and I'm going to make it available to the whole world. If we just start lumping process on top of it, that person will have less of an incentive to wake up in the morning and go write package ABC. And we are so, going to end up lo- losing. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think first off, I think we're conflating term the where you misuse, not misusing, double, double using inheritance. I was talking about inheritance, meaning you own it, like you, you, and now it becomes part of you into your scope. You're, you're yep. pulling it in, so it's now in your scope, as opposed to inheritance, like like a, a hierarchy, um, which is where transitive dependencies come in, right? No, but one implies um, the other. Uh, no, because I'm using the word differently. Uh, in two different ways, right? So I'm using inheritance to mean it becomes within within your scope versus one relies on the other, right? But if it so came into I your scope, it's because it, you rely on it. But I'm, it's more of a responsibility off. thing. Yeah. I think from the Respons- way Matt's describing, yeah, he's yeah, basically yeah, yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that if I take right. a package and include it in my application, I am accepting responsibility for the security of that package that I brought. And I'll give you right. an example. One of the, the, one of the brilliant people at Cisco years and years ago, uh, when open source was first becoming a thing, um, the saying that they, that the tagline is that they distributed around and the whole company got behind is um, it may not be your software, but it is your problem. Yeah. Yep. And that, yep. Was, yep. that was yep. to make that yep. argument for people to say, yep. if you're going to include a package, don't, you can't, no customer is ever going to listen to you say, well, that vulnerability, that <laughs> was in the component that we use. That's not really us. Go talk yeah. to Which, Joe. This yeah. is, yeah, this was but, a long but time you brought ago. It in. But, yep. but that was, but that was part of the challenge. This, I'm going back. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm dating myself here, but well, totally this is 15 agreed, years yeah. ago, right? People were saying that. People were saying, well, it's not, the vulnerability is not in what we wrote. It's in the components. So it's the components problem. Just tell the customer that. And everybody was like, we were like, as security teams, like, no, we can't tell customers that it's not our, it's not our yeah. product. Right. So, so the, so the other part of inheritance that you talked about, the hierarchy of co- this component relies on this component to function or, or to do, you know, to do whatever. Um, that use of inheritance, I think, you, you know, that goes back to the dependency and the question that Chris raised. I, I want to throw out something that I, I want to mention something that has come and gone and maybe it may be important for this discussion. Do you remember reputation as a concept? When it comes to open source, there was something that was being pushed a, a while. I know, I know, a while back, a couple of years ago, certainly, maybe, maybe five years ago, it started, where there was a notion of reputation as a as a property of components, mm-hmm. and you had you had a thing, you had a it was sort of a, a collection of a, a correlation of of of, uh, of attributes around things like um, how recently was it last updated. Uh, how many stars does a does the repo have, um, and has it does it have any defects that that cause it to have a negative reputation? Isn't that so, the, the OpenSSF scorecard? Uh, it might be. Is that what that is now? I don't. It it wasn't how, how, I don't think it's the same thing. I, right, I remember right, right. Matt what you're talking about. There was how a long ago are we reputation. talking about? I'm thinking. I'm thinking back in like 20. 2014, 2015. No, 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 no. The scorecard is pretty new, but you, the, the things that you're listing, I think that they are directly there. Yeah, I mean, I, I recall this from way, from way back when. There used to be a sort of a, it wasn't a system, but it was it was a... It's like an algorithm. There was, yeah, there was some sort of metric that would get generated yeah. and you could look it up and, and I forget there was a website or something. And I think it, it, fell apart. it fell apart though because for the and the reason OpenSSF w- went the way they did with the scorecard, like the scorecard doesn't exist for every component. That's how I understand it. It's yep. like the top components because they're like, hey, these are the things that have the most risk because they're used the most across the entire 
uh, in, in, in all the industries that rely upon it versus so it's it's but the reputation I remember it kind of it kind of didn't work because it was a lot of work and people just yep. didn't do it yep. and they didn't have an and incentive to do it either there was right. no there was no reason why I, why I would do it as an open source project right. and it, and it was a it was a it was a trailing indicator because as as the reputation changed the reputation score would change but you would have to like continually watch its progress and it would, it would trail the actual behavior of the project. It also was really probably uh, uh, open to collusion, right? Cause if the only people who had incentive for rating reputation were people who would rate it unnaturally high, then, then people who consumed it consume that reputation score would then um, would then get an unrealistic value. And, yeah, and it was a, a self metric though. There was no repository yeah. of, reputation scores that have been independently compiled oh no i think that this oh, i my God. recall there were tools there was tooling around it there was tooling around this like it was uh black De not black duck but one of the other uh uh sca tools at the time um reported reputation scores oh, okay maybe it was from their own repository i don't know but uh mm. so um but can you imagine something the like the streets that had taken off yeah but can you imagine if can you imagine that would help potentially help solve the problem of uh, avoiding the case of components that are, uh, you know, uh, whatever, like a hive of villainy or whatever, you know, you, you would quit, you would have an ability to have the community crowdsource, which components are better for their purpose, not just by having eyes on the code, but also from their actual usage. Look, I, I don't know why it didn't work. But <laughs> off the top of my head, I can only imagine the mess it would have been with people saying, oh, I want to write this thing and I wrote this thing and I want to publish it, but I can't get the right reputation so I don't get visibility. Okay, let's split. Let's split everybody. These guys are going to get the reputation. These guys are not. And you publish whatever you want. And you see what I'm going with this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's totally open to who's in the circle and who's not, right? I yeah. Mean, Do we need more of that? As somebody who wasn't who, as somebody who didn't have a lot of friends in high school, uh, you know, I know exactly. My how circle this was a square. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least you had a square. You had four points. Where's the? Where's from? Uh, you are so far from the line, you can't even see the line. Oh, that's Johnny. <laughs> no, that's uh, uh, you Tribiani. <laughs> Joey. Yeah. 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 So I would have been. I would have been. Even see the line. I would have been better off living in Flat World, <laughs> <laughs> which I haven't read this this year yet. I have to go back there. Yeah. All right. Well, what do we? How do we? How do we conclude this? How do we? Uh, I don't myth know. What's busted. our? What's our myth takeaway? Busted. Myth yeah, busted. Yeah. <laughs> Army mateys, there is no scum and villainy happening in here. <laughs> uh, no. S to, to quote Johnny Depp, slap. I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good way to end it's a good way to to, uh, to wrap up this conversation i'm sure this isn't the last time we'll discuss the software supply chain on the security table so it will the issue will come back up again probably within a month or two so uh folks thanks for listening to this episode hope you enjoyed it uh please like, i was gonna say like us on facebook but we don't have a facebook press please don't <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> now we're if on, we do if we do the reputation is poor <laughs> yeah we're we're on the youtubes we're on the or we're if on we LinkedIn. do it's not us 
<laughs> it wasn't us. Yeah, we're on we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, um, and wherever you find fine podcasts in audio form. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you.